Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Boilers in the Stands post-game show. I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is our guys, Joe Jackson and Craig Bowers here after a dominant performance at Assembly Hall on Rivalry Night. The Purdue Boilermakers win 87-64. to uh, We're going to talk a lot about different things and and get into the team stats and, and highlight different players and and just talk about, but Purdue finally turns the tide here in this rivalry, you know, for, you know, a solid four or five years, Purdue was really taking it to Indiana. And then the arrival of Mike Woodson really started to change some things, you know, with this rivalry and Indiana has had their number the last few years and Purdue, you know, uh, you know, comes back with a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, a little turn, turnabout is fair play because, uh, tonight they go into assembly hall and, and it, 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 they take the momentum back in this rivalry and they, and, and there was a moment in the second half where it felt like Purdue or Purdue might lose the 22 point lead they had at halftime, but Zach Eady was having none of it. And a lot of times on this show, because, you know, we get a little worn out from, you know, the, the Zach Eady dominant performances that we grow so accustomed to, but today we're going to start with it. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Zach Eady putting up another 30 burger. He finishes the night just absolutely dominant, not letting, you know, Indiana creep back into this 33 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, it was just, you know, he, he really took control of this game in the second half. And so back-to-back 30-point games for Zach, and now you see them, you know, with this kind of a win in a hostile environment on the road. Uh, good things are happening. So, you know, uh, and they push IU to three losses in the Big Ten loss column if you're paying attention to that kind of stuff. So I'll kick it around to you guys. Craig, I'll start with you. What was uh, your, you know, initial reaction here now that the game is over? I, I mean, Zach Eady just ass- asserting his will all, all the way around. And and we saw multiple times where somebody got a hand on the ball. Uh, somebody was dragging down his arm, whatever. It didn't matter. He was going to push through it. He was going to get to the rim. He was going to score. I thought Khalil Ware actually did a better job on him than I thought he would. Uh, Zach got him in foul trouble super early, and that certainly helped. Um, there was a lot of conversation about the fouls. We can talk about that later. Uh, but he forced the issue in that first half. He he drew fouls on so many different players to, to get them on the bench. And that kind of allowed Purdue to get out to the lead. Uh, but it, it was just one of those games where Zach said, I'm 7'4 and 300 pounds and I'm going to assert my will. I'm going to get to the bucket. I'm going to score. I'm going to get to the free throw line. And maybe in all honesty, the most impressive thing out of Zach tonight is he goes 11 of 12 from the free throw line. Right. And, and he's a good free throw shooter, but 11 to 12 for a seven foot four guy is just absolutely insane. So even when he didn't make a basket, he was making him pay. And that's just, I don't real, I don't think Purdue fans and the nation at large just realizes how unique that is and how much of a unicorn he is to be able to do that at the free throw line night in and night out. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and as uh, Brad Prather uh, puts, Zach diving on the floor up seventeen yep. to get the ball, and it just showed like his will to win in 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 that regard. And and then I think the other aspect before I throw it to you, Joe, you know, in sometimes when you get into an environment like this, they they let them play, quote unquote, a little more. They let them get away with a little more, 
and uh, where for IU got into foul trouble fairly quickly. And there wasn't as much allowance, you know, in some of the games, you know, they call it the hall of calls and, you know, it's not always about the refs when you win or lose, but a lot of times the tempo of a game, the vibe of a game is dictated by how the refs are going to let them play. And when the refs started blowing some calls on, you know, not allowing them to get physical with Edie or not allowing them to hold Fletcher lawyer, who's trying to come off a screen that really can shake up what IU wants to do. And that's make the game ugly. And uh, they weren't allowed to do that. So Joe, uh, you know, why don't you give us your initial thoughts? Yeah, I think Craig took a lot of it with Edie and just how dominant he was. So I will, I'm, we're going to talk about Edie more. So I'll save my Edie stuff for that. For me, it's Purdue handled the punch. Purdue was up, what, 20 at half or 20, 22 at half, I believe. Yep, 22. And you, yep. knew, you knew at some point Indiana was going to throw a punch. It was just, it was going to happen It in these rivalry games, these big games at Assembly Hall, like they're going to hit some shots and they're going to cut the lead. And for me, it's just how does Purdue respond? And they responded. I think the lowest that IU got the lead was eight, if I remember correctly. If it was never, it was never at that point where it's like, oh man, Purdue like let this lead slip. It was uh, always in that area where it's like, okay, Purdue's like if if IU goes on a little run here, then they're in trouble. But right now, they still have that little bit of buffer. Um, they fed the ball to the best player in the country, and Zach Eady, let him do his thing. Fletcher Lawyer with a huge game offensively. Lance Jones with a huge game offensively. Um, you just you saw enough guys you saw enough guys do the little things and then when you have a night where Edie can go for 33 and 14 all you need is guys to do the little things and Purdue had plenty of them that would um, I thought it was a really good game plan from Purdue too of just making IUB shooters and take away the interior I mean we'll talk about the stats in a second but as I load them right now Malik Renew ended with eight points um, that is I probably I use best player overall, or I know it was the one we were most kind of worried about going into this game and, and Purdue did a good job holding him and made some some of the guards try to shoot some shots. They hit a couple, but Purdue bounces back and then still wins by 21. Yeah, yeah. And I think for IU, um it, it and and Robbie Hummel brought this up a lot on the telecast, but it is the true. It, it simply comes down to three-point shooting for IU. And if they're not, I mean, Purdue was letting them take those threes. You know, they don't have Jalen Hood Shafino this year, so they don't have that guy that can just dominate you on the mid-range and and get Zach Eady kind of in that tweener spot that um, you know, you saw at one point in the second half where um Zach had to stay back because Braden had a mismatch. So he, he's trying to help Braden and then he's not able to close out on the three. They give up a three. IU doesn't have enough players to put Zach Eady in those kind of binds. And so they just stayed back and said, Hey, show us you can make these or we're, or even if you make a few, we're going to live with that because we're going to play the percentages. And IU just wasn't able to knock down enough threes to keep this game close. And, and, and like I said, go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, I like that Purdue kept with what they were doing. Even when IU started hitting a couple, right. They come out, um, they hit two or three pretty quick ones in, in the second half. And I don't think Purdue really faltered in what they wanted to do. They were like, okay, you hit a couple. If you hit maybe a couple more, then we'll really change what we do. But it was still very much, let's take away the inside. We're just going to bet that they cannot keep hitting these. They went 6-12 to 12 in the second half, but it wasn't like it was, you know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a Nebraska-type shooting test. Right, because like SLK Boiler in the chat points out, I, I, you ended up shooting 40% from three on the night. It didn't feel like that, you know, because like when – they were two of 12 in the first half. And so in that right. first half, when Purdue got this buffer, like 
that was a large part of it. That's exactly the point is when the game was more in balance or more of a point to make it a stressful game on Purdue, they couldn't hit them. And then by the time they did start hitting them, they're digging themselves out of a 22 point hole, which isn't easy to do. Um, They did get it down to nine at one point. uh, But you know, they, the other thing that I think um, that I, I was a big thing that stood out to me in this game was just how poised they were on post-ups they if they didn't get the clean post-up look they want they would kick it back out and reset they didn't panic they didn't try to do too much they made the clean pass and then reset got it back in and gave themselves a much more advantageous you know position for trey kaufman wren or zach e trey kaufman wren had another great game as far as i'm concerned you know he he is really coming into his own here in the last few weeks and it, it's making it a lot harder for teams to take this team on the post. Um, you know, like Craig pointed out, the spin cycle he put on Malik Renault, I believe. I mean, that that was a that's that's as good a post move as you're gonna see. And that's on a team with the national player of the year working in the post. So now you got two guys you gotta deal with in there. Uh they just played a really clean game. Uh we haven't exactly looked at the numbers, but I'm sure the numbers are gonna support that that perspective um are you chris chris r said IU only shot 33 percent from three according to cbs app and that oh. actually they did only shoot 33 all right slk boiler i trusted you i trusted you in the chat it's all right hey don't happened. worry our statistician last game for the purdue penn state game um whoever that was <laughs> he messed up camden heidi's career high in the middle of the game and we tweeted about it and it happened it happens to the best of them. i don't well, know you're t- who well we you're talking to the guy that I, but I don't know who not- it was he's just really tall that's all I know. Yeah. Oh, Zach Eady. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you're talking to the guy that once traded David Montgomery when he hadn't been traded on a bear show once upon a time. So it happens to all of us. Uh, but I always trust the chat because there are guys. So, uh, you know, why don't we get into, um, the stats of the game? It kind of sets the table for the show. Uh, do we want to give a shout out to our sponsors before we get into that? Let's do it. So let's get, I'm sorry. I put you on the spot here. Yeah, I'm sorry. So yeah, we're going to give a shout out to BJ rule here before we get going. Uh, take it away. Yeah. So BJ rule is a Purdue graduate and current Lafayette resident. Uh, BJ rule has close to 15 years experience helping buyers, sellers, and real estate investors in Lafayette and surrounding areas. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, give BJ a call or text to set up an appointment to see how he can help you accomplish your goals. Your home will likely be, the most expensive purchase of your life. Have the experts with Rainy and Company at Keller Williams on your side and let BJ help you navigate the process. Call 317-345-4600. And guys, I, I've said this before. I've known BJ a long, long time. I know him really well. Uh, really stand up, trustworthy guy. So highly would recommend if you're in this area and in this Martin market looking for realty, uh, give BJ a call. Yeah, we appreciate your support here to the show, BJ. Make sure you go ahead and show him some, some support as well. Uh, you know, we have about 300, I'm sorry. We have about 300 people here watching live and I'm sure a lot of people here watching later on, please hit that like button while you're hanging out. If you're in the YouTube chat, if you haven't subscribed to our channel already, we're getting under 50 people away from hitting 2000 subscribers to our channel. We appreciate each and every one of you for all of your support here as we, uh, you know, try to talk about this, top team in this country. You know, I know they fell to number two, but 
you know, this has been a fun ride these last few years. And this team this year has certainly shown some composure in some tough environments against some tough teams. And, um, you know, Jim cook here, my guy, he's a sales guy at uh, CHGO hanging out here at boilers in the stands. He says, smash the like button and subscribed. All right. You aren't such a bad guy, Jim. I always give him a hard time. So let's get into the team stats of the game. Uh, Purdue shoots a red hot 47% from the field on 29 of 62 uh, shooting 42% from the field for IU on 27 of 65 shooting um, 37% from three, seven of 19 from the three point arc for Purdue 33% from the three point range for IU SLK boiler eight of 24 from three 81% free throw shooting 22 of 27 for Purdue. Really nice line there. 44% free throw shooting for IU four of nine only take nine free throws on the day and they only hit four of them. That's a big number there. 10 turnovers for IU eight for Purdue 14 points off of those turnovers for Purdue only for Purdue 12 for IU 42 total rebounds, 31 defensive 11 offensive for Purdue, 34 total rebounds for IU, 25 defensive, uh, nine offensive for Purdue or for IU, I should say. Second chance points, 14 second chance points for Purdue, seven for IU. Points in the paint, 38 points in the paint for Purdue, 30 for IU. 14 fast break points for IU, nine for Purdue. Three blocks for IU, only two for Purdue. And then 14 assists apiece for both teams. And Purdue led for 36 minutes and 29 seconds of this game. Uh, so, you know, Joe, when you when you see these stats, anything anything in particular for you that stands out? Uh, turnovers is the first thing for me, for sure. Only eight turnovers. I use not a team that necessarily forces a lot of turnovers. They're, I think, somewhere in the 200s in defensive turnover percentage. But it's still a game that they're going to pressure the ball 94 feet. You have Gabe Cubs. You have Trey Galloway. Uh, two Xavier Johnson, if when he was in for a little bit. Uh, there are three guys that will pressure the ball, and at times that can cause Smith to have issues. We're going to hit on Smith, and like my take on Smith is he had a good game and just literally couldn't hit a shot. Um, I still think he affected the game in a positive manner. We'll talk about that later. But uh, limited the turnovers to only eight. 22 of 27 from the free throw line is the other one. I was trying to do this ahead, did not get it. So as I load the stats, I just know Purdue did not shoot that well last year from the free throw line at Assembly Hall. And in a uh, close game like that, that was one of the bigger reasons why Purdue didn't win. So um, it's fundamentals, right? Take care of the ball, make your free throws. It's You do two, those two things, you're you're on your way of getting a W. Uh, how about yeah. you, Craig? And, <clears throat> well, I, I tell you what, I'd like to kind of roll relative to these stats, roll through what Joe and I put out as our keys to the game coming yep. into the game. Yep. So the first thing the first thing we said was Purdue had to hit outside shots. They shoot 37% from 3. We said Brad Braden had to handle on ball pressure. He had two turnovers in this game. We said we had to get Zach going early and often uh, to get other people in foul trouble and to get buckets. He did both of those things. We said limit two of Renew Ware and Mbako defensively. The only one that got going was Mbako. We said we had to win the offensive matchup between Lawyer and Mbako. It didn't feel like that, but Lawyer has more points in this game than Mbako. So oh, wow. he wins that matchup. And we said rebounding, that IU was not a good rebounding team and Purdue had out-rebound them. They out-rebound them by eight. In all actuality, I didn't feel like they won that as much as they should have. 
I thought they were a little weak on the boards a few times tonight, but they still won it by eight. So that's still impressive. Literally checked every box of our six main keys and came away with a massive win. So those would be the main stats I would highlight. The one game we lost, Joe, they didn't check any of the boxes <laughs> that we put in the, the keys yep. going into. Yeah, you know, it was, um, you know, they, they're going to check a lot of boxes on a night like tonight when you win 87 to 64. Uh, just a dominant performance. 66. And you really, 66? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I walked away to get set up here at the end. They, they snuck in a layup, did they? I see how it, it is. All right. You know, you know, Purdue showing them pity. I mean, to watch the IU fans, you know, uh, heading for the exits with three minutes to go, you do not see that that often in a Purdue IU rivalry. So, uh, you know, the other thing, and I'm seeing a lot of people talking about it is, you know, the fact that IU Purdue is on the Peacock channel, I just think is, is, it's not right. You know, I, not everybody streams Peacock. You know, it, it, I know that's where we're going. If you look at the NFL this weekend, they had one of the most, uh, they had the most viewed of any app ever because they put the NFL on Peacock. And so I understand the logistics of it, but at the same time, you're, you know, transitioning something. Okay. That's fine. You want to put some games like, you know, Purdue, Maryland on there and, and try to work people to the, to the Peacock app. So be it, but Purdue, IU belongs center stage on a national audience, you know, on, on national TV for everybody to enjoy and not have to, you know, jump through hoops and bells and whistles to try to figure out how to watch this game. And then on top of it, I agree with a lot of people in the chat, the production of it. If you're going to take this and, and throw the amount of money you did to own these kind of games, your production better be up to standard. And there was so many times tonight where the points weren't, you know, immediately moved. You, you didn't know what the score was, you know, quick enough. I'm sorry, that stuff's got to be kept up a lot faster than that. So for me, the the production value isn't great. I'm hoping Robbie Hummel's getting the bag. So I'm I'm assuming he's getting a nice check from it. So all love there because Robbie does a phenomenal job on any broadcast he's on. But I would just prefer for a game of this magnitude to be on national TV, wherever you got to put it. If NBC owns the rights, then put it on NBC. You're going to get good ratings. And, uh, you know, if it's Fox sports, you know, college hoops on, you know, uh, you know, FS one or whatever, wherever you got to put it. But I just think that that kind of game belongs on a national TV audience. Yeah. I don't have too much to add, but, uh, this was, and it's for what Peacock has been. And I don't agree that, or I, I agree with you that Purdue IU should not be on Peacock. Like it just, that shouldn't be what it is. I've liked their presentation for the most part this year. And today it was just bad. And yeah. you got to know that this is going to be, this has to be one of their more viewed college basketball games, especially they should, they should have the infrastructure all in place to be good especially after the dolphins chiefs game, when they're not going to touch that number for a while again. Um, but that, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate to see it, that it is there. Um, I don't have too much to add though on what you said. Like Shan, my, my, my biggest, my, my biggest thing, go ahead and put that up, Greg. That's where I'm going. Yeah, it was with it. Shan Cox I, saying my Wi-Fi was out due to weather. Peacock wouldn't work for, for Shan. Right. But the, the biggest thing to me related to this is there, there's still a lot of parts in rural Indiana that don't have good internet connectivity. And in my other job, one of the grants that we were working with dealt with internet connectivity. 
and ways to get it to rural Indiana at, at a more effective speed, a higher speed. So I think there are places that this sucks for people in Indiana because they may be able to get it, but they may struggle to stream it, it you know, and keep up with it and not have it glitching out all the time and those types of things. Yeah. yeah, it's a work in progress. I do like the graphics they use when there's a three and you got the, you know, the, the yeah. foam finger that pops up and stuff. So, you know, I'm sure they'll get it eventually, but you know, get it right eventually. And like I said, it's a money thing. The NFL, there was a Peacock became the most downloaded app. Uh, it, it was like in, in a single day ever when the NFL was on there over the weekend. So you can only expect this stuff to continue to transition that way and basically force feeding people uh, to these, to these, you know, apps and sites. And, you know, um, you know, it's going to get to a point where every, you know, every FS one's going to have an app and every single app, and you're going to have to have a subscription to every single one to be able to, uh, to be able to get access to these games and they, they feed off sports fans that, you know, um, they know they're going to pay for this stuff too. So, uh, but I, I do think that there's a bubble with this that'll eventually burst because of how much money you're going to have to spend to have all these different apps for, you know, uh, Peacock, Disney, Netflix, Hulu, Fubo. It just goes on and on and on. And the whole point to all this was to try to keep people's, price point down from direct TV or Comcast or whatever. And I think that eventually is going to go back the other way. Let's get into back to the basketball. It was just a little rant. I just had to have, and I know some of the people that were upset about it, but let's get into uh, some of the individual performances. Do we want to uh, start with Edie? I know we kind of hit off the top with him, but do we want to uh, start with him and then work our way around the, around the horn? Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I I already kind of went through mine, so I'll kick it to Joe yeah, there to yeah, Joe, give his first away, words. It was just like he was just the calming force. When you have the national player of the year, these are the type of games you look for. It obviously helps that Indiana wasn't really doubling. They would they would show a lot of help, especially on after the dribble, which some teams um, tend to do. But at the same time, like if you aren't hard doubling Edie, he's going to get any look he has. Now he takes, he isn't, it isn't the most efficient night, 11 for 23, uh, but he is 11 for 12 from the free throw line. And he was one I remember specifically last year, really struggled from the free throw line. Um, as I pull it up here, I think he was, what was he? I can't find it. Whatever. Um, my bad. What, but he really that? good from the free throw. What I've, stat are you but, looking for? What Edie shot last year from the free throw line at assembly hall? I uh, thought it was, oh, maybe it was the year yeah. before. But anyways, Edie was really good. I think he did a good job of um, where is 7-1 Linky? I think he did a good job of kind of still just being able to get around him. Obviously, when Ware picks up his third foul, that helps too. And Ware's just going to sag off a little bit, give him a little bit more space. But creating his space early, I also think everybody did a really good job of feeding him. You saw a few times where Edie would get a post-touch, didn't really like it, kick out, and it's immediately a refeed. Um, and so now Edie gets the ball where he wants, gets it in good spots. Like he just did, I think everything right. Um, like just, yeah. And, and it's just, this is the game that we expect to see from Edie, especially when he has single coverage and he delivered and, and I they thought, absolutely needed it. And I thought his hands were really well. There was a few times where the ball would fumble because of the pass would get tipped or whatever. And he'd recollect it. Um, and that's not always easy for a big guy where everybody's swiping at him. Uh, at one point in the second half, Robbie was like taking note that he was starting to look a little fatigued. How many minutes did he end up playing 36. in this game? 
36 minutes. And, you know, in the second half, Robbie made the observation that he, he looked a little fatigued. Well, right. As he said that, that's when Zach just kind of said, put his, put his stamp on it and said, we're done here. And, yeah. and I, and I, and he's showing so much more attitude this year in games like this kind of enough's enough kind of attitude and swagger about him, which I like, he's got to exude confidence. You know, um, he's, he's always going to, you know, be a guy that's not going to always get the calls. There's more than a few times where he gets a bucket in the arms going, Oh, somebody's hitting him over the head or, or a body foul clear. And he's not going to get that call every time, uh, or else it'd just be, you know, a free throw contest all day. So I get it, but you know, I, I do like the swagger he's shown in some of these environments and uh, he needs to show that because it that confidence bleeds over to the rest of his teammates. Um, and and Braden did a nice job of setting him up. You know, if we want to move to Braden, Braden didn't yeah. have the best game. You know, uh, Zach ended with 33 points, 11-23, like we said, 14 rebounds, 36 minutes of play and only two turnovers for Zach. So that, that was the other big key to touch on with, you know, I know you said with the team stats of the game, Joe, the turnovers for Zach in this game being only two, that's big time when you talk about how many times he touched the ball. Braden Smith, on the other hand, touched the ball just as much. He, statistically, you'd look at it and go, not a great performance, five points, two of 14 from the field, oh of six from three. You could see frustration on him, couldn't get a simple layup to fall. But he does have six rebounds and nine assists and uh, another key stat, two turnovers on the game in 36 minutes of play. So he was able to stay involved, stay aggressive, get his teammates involved, not, you know, give the ball to the other team. And, you know, some of his misses turned into a Zach Eady dunk. You know, he was at that was as good of a bad performance as Braden's ever going to have. I mean, that that was, and, and it just goes to show you just how dangerous this team can be because Zach, how many misses did he have? He had like, he went 11 to 23. So he had 12 misses. Braden went two of 14. He had 12 misses and Purdue won 87 to 66, you know? So it's, it just goes to show you and painter talks about it so much in the post game press conferences. If they just keep their turnovers down, they're good. And they only had eight on the game. And I think seeing Braden and, and Zach's stat line speak to that. Yeah, no doubt. And I was actually thinking in my head the exact, I, I was going to say damn near the exact same thing you said, which was Braden had about as good of a game as you could possibly have while shooting that bad. Like, like yep. I, I mean, acknowledge the fact that he shot horrible tonight and some of them were layups or little three foot shots. Um, but he was incredible in terms of just running the offense, controlling the offense, uh, getting nine assists to two turnovers. That's probably his best assist to turnover ratio on the year. I'm just going to bet. I'm not going to look that up, but it's got to be close if not. And he just dictated. Braden's at his best when he dictates the action. And he pushed so many times back and kind of got them out of position, got people to match up really quick because they were recovering and not matching up on the guy that they were supposed to be on. And then he'd wheel it out and immediately go into an action. And sometimes I, you want to have a chance to recover. Um, you know, that we always talk about like that one 
Where's that one pass from brain, right? And there was only one of those tonight where you were like, well, what was that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But that's his creativity. You want him doing that. You want him probing and making those creative passes because that's what makes him special. There was only one of those tonight. Didn't shoot the ball well, but but really, really controlled things just in terms of the way he managed the game. And the fact that he didn't shoot well was made up completely by the fact that that Fletcher and Lance shot well over their season average in terms of complete field goal percentage on the night. So I, I think that makes up for it a lot in, in that regard. And the, the to your point about how creative he can be with his passes, and when I was talking about how uh, just calm, cool, and collected they were setting up the post game, Many times Braden would get into the teeth of the defense, get in underneath the basket, and he would be patient. He would use his body and and keep the ball away from his defender and wait for Zach to create an opening with his angle and then drop it down. Trey Kaufman ran as well. They're really figuring out how to just take their time, let the post guys get set, let them get an angle to the basket, and then just do that little drop down pass that's just op wide open to them. And, you know, they're so worried about which way Braden's going to go and, and if he's going to kick out that he, you know, uses his pivot to his advantage to drop him down into wide open dunks a couple of times. And, and same with Trey Kaufman Wren. And if they can keep that composure when they're trying to feed those guys, you're going to see more and more of these results. I see Joe's got the the dry erase board, and this is always an exciting time for every fan here that tunes yeah. into boilers in the stands, and that's when Joe teaches us the game of basketball. Yeah, so I think one thing that I've, I've noticed Purdue's done it this year consistently, and, man, if my camera just wants to focus, please. But um, what it, it kind of just clicks me on, for me today on why. And what they would do is it's just called a, it's rescreening. And so you have, you know, Braden here with the ball, and then you have Edie come up. Actually, that's incorrect. Braden have the ball, and then Edie comes and sets this screen here, right? And so the thing to notice is that look how far away this is. IU did a pretty good job. Teams in general, right, they just want to try to push Purdue as far away as possible. You hear all the announcers every every game. Try to push Purdue as way as far as possible. And so Edie sets this screen, and this defender, because it's so far out, he's always going to go under. And so what that does is as this happens, Brain gets a little bit here. And so now Brain ends up here. His defender's here. Edie's here, and then he immediately rescreens. And so now this screen's actually happening at the top of the three-point line. And so now as Brayden comes off, defender has to go over. Um, IU was playing drop coverage, and so what that means is this defender right here who was guarding, um, who was like guarding Edie on the screen, he's just going to keep dropping back. And his entire purpose is he wants to keep the ball handler, Smith, right here, and he wants to keep Edie. He just wants to keep him in front of him. And so as that's happening, Smith is able to kind of probe. And then oftentimes you would see – um, as this happens, Edie's going to come here. He's going to hit this guy. And so now Smith has it here. Edie has, you know, positioning right here. He's get the ball. And then you have, you know, Gills is going to be here. Lawyer's going to be here. Uh, Jones is going to be over here. And now Edie has a ton of space. And so I think it's just a little thing like that, that, oh, we're just going to rescreen this really quick every single time, knowing that, hey, now the defense can't be 30. We're not going to be 30 feet away. We're going to be 25 or 20 feet away. Um, and then they can really get into their stuff. And that's where what you kind of said brags of I think brain did a good job of and, and everybody else too of being able to set Edie up in the post set up TKR in the post some of his touches and I think that specific thing right there 
is a good way of allowing Smith to do that by getting downhill, getting into the paint, because that's when good things happen. When Smith's aggressive, gets into the paint, he's going to spray it. He's going to make, well, not today, but he's going to make a shot or he's going to get Edie on the post up. Um, my one other thing on Smith is just a quick comment is like, if Smith went five or 14, I think we would be like, man, he had a tremendous game. Um, obviously, he didn't. And so you can't quite get there because he did go two of 14. But everything else was just, it was just really, really good from him, I thought. Right. And, too. and then somebody in the chat was like, how can you say that was a bad game? I'm just saying when people that just look very generalized, how many points did you score and not look at the bigger picture? Sometimes, you know, Craig made this point early in the season about Lance Jones. You can look at the stat sheet sometimes and say, oh, uh, well, how does he have a big impact on the game? There's ways you can have a huge impact on the game that don't always translate on the stat sheet. And you do got to watch the game to understand the impact. And I am certainly not saying Braden Smith had a bad game, but I'm sure Braden thinks he had a bad game because Braden wanted to make at least half of the shots he took. And at one point you could just tell how frustrated he was, get, he was getting when at one point he got sent to the free throw line and the ball goes off the backboard and rims out. And he's just, he just kind of made this look like I can't get anything to drop here tonight. Uh, but he kept kept attacking. He stayed confident, kept getting his teammates involved. Did you guys see his reaction after he, he made that little jumper towards the end of the game? Yeah. Like, he just like ran down the court and just yeah. Hands, hands in his, after he made one, he's just like, finally. Well, and that just goes to show you, you got Zach Eadie diving on the floor up 17. You got Braden Smith still hungry for a bucket. These guys have a killer mentality that you need here um you know this year you, you, they they have to have more of it you know last year Braden and Fletcher were freshmen you're developing a certain mentality on the college level you're here now you've been on the big stage you've been the top dog here for a couple of years you got to have that killer mentality and to walk into an environment even Maryland the other day you know they they beat our couple weeks ago they beat the brakes off Maryland at Maryland and, you know, at the moment, maybe some fans looked at it and said, ah, oh, it's Maryland. They're not as good as they normally are. Slow down. They beat Illinois. You know, like this is the Big Ten. And to go and, and, and produce, you know, had a couple losses in tough road environments in Northwestern and Nebraska. So you don't, you don't just, when Purdue dominates like this, you don't take it for granted. You don't just wipe it off and go, oh, well, this team isn't as good as they normally are. You know, it's, it's, it, it, this is the big 10. You got to be able to win these games and to win them in the dominant fashion they have here at Maryland and, and at IU, you don't take that for granted. Yeah. And I think I'm going to say something real quick. I'll throw it to you, Craig, to let you go off about Jones or whoever else you want to go on about. Yeah. We definitely should um, move to Lance Jones. Could, could you, could you tell really I was quick. waiting, Joe? Could yeah. you tell? <laughs> I, really I was like, it, I was getting antsy. Edie had what he had 30 and what was it? 33. He had 33 this, this game last year, he had 33 and 18 at assembly hall. Purdue loses. And the key difference mm -hmm. is going to be the guy that probably Craig is going to talk about next Lance Jones. Fletcher lawyer has a big game this time too. Last year, Edie had 33 lawyer had 12. The next highest was six. There was just, wasn't that second or real and lawyers 12 wasn't crazy efficient, but he still scored a little bit. There wasn't that second or third guy to help support Edie. Purdue has that. And it doesn't always have to be Lawyer and Jones either. We've seen Smith do it. We've seen TKR do it. We've seen Gillis do it. Like, there's just there's more dudes that can help support Ed. Craig, go. So, let's talk about my guy Lance. Um, so obviously, we all saw just what Lance did from a shooting standpoint. He ends up seven to twelve in field goals, three of seven from three. Uh, racks up 17 points. A couple of different people in the chat have asked if that's a career high at Purdue. I think he's hit 17 four times now. If I remember right or close to it, because um, 
There's a little wager with a guy that does another podcast that if he hits 20, he has to wear a Lance Jones jersey. So I know <laughs> he's gotten – that's why I know how close he's gotten to 20 multiple times now. But the thing that I love most about what Lance did tonight is we've oftentimes heard Painter talk about and Lance talk about just figuring out how to play within Purdue's system and what play is the right play to make at the right time. When's the right time to drive? When's the right time to go ahead and shoot that three? When he gets out in transition, when's the right time to go ahead and push it? Tonight was almost a perfect game from Lance from a decision-making standpoint out there. There was one deep three he took that I thought maybe he could have pulled that one, shot faked, and, and go ahead, gone ahead and taken the guy off the dribble. But you're going to live with one decision that you would question a little bit. Uh, we do it with Brayden all the time. So I, Lance just played almost a perfect game from a decision-making standpoint in terms of making the right play at all the right times. And, man, he pushes the ball. He took people off the dribble today. He pushed the ball in transition. A couple of those times he pushed it, it was like a secondary fast break. It wasn't yep. off a steal or a turnover. He pushed it and he got easy buckets. And we just didn't get those last year. We didn't get those from anybody. Um, Braden can push the ball, but he doesn't really have the size and physicality to go ahead and finish on a, on fast break opportunities a lot. Um, and really last year, we just didn't have many guys that were good in transition from a ball handling and a physicality standpoint to go ahead and score. And Lance brings that dynamic and it's so damn important. I don't care what anybody out there on the interweb says. Yeah, it was hilarious to watch IU go under screens on Lance and he buried it. He made him pay a couple times, burying threes. Lance at the beginning of the game, as much as Zach, you know, closed the door at the end, Lance at the beginning of the game really stymied IU for any kind of intentions they had. Uh, to come out hot. I mean, uh, you know, uh, who, who started out with seven points uh, right Mbako. off that Mbako, uh, uh He he looked like he was ready to come out hot, and Lance Jones was matching him, and and that really kind of put out the early fire because that's kind of what you got to do in an environment like that. Just keep putting out those fires. Don't let it turn into a you know a, a, the the whole house burning down. And and they were able to avoid that. And Lance was a big part of that at the beginning of the game which was really when the, the game was in balance. And, and once again, because turnovers are, are the story of the night, only eight on the game for the entire team. Lance Jones plays how many minutes? He's got uh, 30, 32 minutes, zero turnovers for Lance Jones. Uh, I forgot to say that. Yep. Zero, you know, turnovers. zero turnovers for Lance. So the first three guys we've hit on Zach, Braden and Lance who control the ball a lot have four turnovers between all three of them. And they, they touched the ball as much as anybody on this team. So you know, that's the story of the night, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm sure if, you know, we were at the press post game press conference at assembly hall right now, I guarantee that's what Matt painter started out with. And I think their average on the season right now is around 12, you know? So if, if they're staying under that, you know, and, and that's what I tell people when they ask me, like, oh, what do you think of this game? And it's a rival fan if they're a fan of Illinois or fan of whoever. I say, well, the closer you get Purdue to 20 turnovers, the better chance you're going to have to win. And I guarantee if you go and look at the Northwestern game, I know it was somewhere around 20 turnovers. I, I don't re remember exactly what Nebraska was. was. Oh, yeah, well, 20 with Northwestern, I'm pretty sure it was right Nebraska there. Nebraska was 14. 14, but Nebraska also shot lights out. As we pointed out yep. in the two losses they've had, uh, they were two teams that just went absolutely insane beyond the arc. 
And that also didn't happen for IU here tonight. So, you know, I, I, I just uh, it's a fun game. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're so used to these barn burners. We're so used to these instant classics. And it's kind of a weird feeling to watch a game, you know, for the last eight minutes and Purdue's got it in hand. Like I, I was texting you guys because uh, I wanted to be ready to go live as, as soon as we can at the buzzer. But like for me as a superstitious fan, I didn't want to text you guys that with at the eight minute mark. I want, yeah. I was like, okay, we've got to wait, you know, because if I text this, then I use going to go on a run. And it, you know, it just, it was silliness because it was never going to happen. But that's just kind of how we are as Purdue fans. We're waiting for that other shoe to drop. And that, that, that didn't happen here tonight. And it's a nice change of pace uh, from a rivalry that normally takes a lot out of these guys when the game is over. Um, Let's continue to go around the horn. I, I also want to get into the the minute, the rotational minutes, uh, if there's anything that stands out. But uh, we mm -hmm. can look over some other things here. Uh, and and Fletcher Lawyer. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we're just gonna have to start calling him Big Game Fletch or something like that. We're gonna have to come up with some kind of nickname for this guy because anytime it's a big game, you know, Fletcher always seems. You know, he 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 has up and down performances. You got some fans that feel very strongly one way or another about him. The one thing you can't argue about Fletcher Lawyer is he always shows up for the big games. Uh, 19 points, five of six shooting, four of four from the three-point line, five of seven from uh, from the free throw stripe, uh, three rebounds, three assists, only two turnovers in 28 minutes of play. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer really just doing a lot of good things offensively at one point. Uh, in the second half, he hesitated to shoot a three, but he aggressively took it to the rim and was able to get to the free throw line. I think aside from the way they officiated Zach Eady and allowing, uh, not allowing IU to scratch and claw and bite and do whatever they possibly can to hold him down and being a little more fair to Zach in a game like this where they could have easily swallowed the whistle, I thought the same thing was going on with Fletcher Lawyer because, I mean, if you've been a Purdue fan uh, long enough, you know, they've always got shooters running off ball, trying to get open on some kind of set, uh, that, that painters drawn up and more often than not, if you're keeping an eye on that shooter off the ball, he's getting held by somebody he's, there's a grind to it and you got to fight through screens. And you got to fight around curls. And I don't know if there, how much of a difference between this year and last year, but they were calling it for Fletcher this time. He's getting held so much. And they've, you know, uh, Craig pointed it out on Twitter. I mean, like IU at one point in the first half have had seven fouls to produce one, but a lot of IU's fouls were dumb fouls. They were fouls that, you know, when they, they're fouling guys that didn't have the basketball, but that was because they're so concerned about Fletcher lawyer getting open and, and Purdue getting into their, their set. And so, you know, that was nice to see that they weren't allowing that. And I don't know if that's just because the personnel that IU has doesn't have the ability to be grinders without fouling, or if they just finally were calling some things that have always should have been called. Um, a little bit of a mix, I would assume. Like, I don't think Indiana doesn't have like the best defenders, um, especially when you get past probably Galloway. I think Ware's a solid defender, but even him, like he, he had some fouls. Mabako um, is not like that good of a defender, although he's been playing better. Uh, but talking about Fletcher Lawyer, like I think even just 
early on, I think he made a couple of really good passes down low to Edie. Um, just a couple. Of, I think he he had a, he had like two assists early on, and it just really helped kind of calm Purdue. Because um, the other thing that's kind of mentioned is is I'm sure most of us Purdue fans had the same reaction. That very first play, you see Mibako drill a three, and you're like, oh no, like uh oh, this is this is not good. Um, and that that riles up Assembly Hall. Obviously, they're crazy. And even in that little midst of his seven point run, like Purdue calmed down, got some buckets, stymied all the energy um, and did that. And that was a lot of lawyer and Jones and getting the ball to Edie, making some shots, um, just a really good game. And even I think like there was a few plays that lawyer, you know, he got beat defensively. I don't think he got played off the floor defensively. I, I thought for the large part, he was pretty good. I think some of it too was obviously just the defensive scheme that Purdue ran. And we can talk about that in a little bit too. Um, just what some of the spacing that they took away. But when lawyer is, if lawyer can just be fine defensively, he doesn't have to be great, just fine defensively, and then have this really smart, efficient game on offense. Like that's the Fletcher lawyer you want. And then, like you said, he just, he just shows up for big games. It's, I, what we did it against Tennessee. We there's a lot of questions against Arizona. There was questions with this one is how can lawyers stay on the floor giving up four or five inches to a, a solid small forward? Um, yeah, he just does it. He yeah, just and, does it. And, and on that lawyer conversation first, and then I'll go to the fouls on the lawyer conversation. You know, Mbako was cooking to start the game, and I think he had their first seven points and was shooting a really high percentage. But then he gets those two fouls and he goes to the bench. And at that point in time, had Mbako not gotten that second foul and stayed in, I really thought we were getting close to Cam Heidi time um, because he was kind of cooking at that point. But Smith wasn't hitting his shots, so you had to have Lawyer on the floor offensively. So I don't even know that they could have made that switch. And, and then the way it played out when Mbako came back, he still got a few more. He got Fletcher a few times, but he wasn't near on the heater when he came back in in the second second half that he was on the first half. And like we said in our, our key points, Joe, that matchup was going to matter in terms of who won out offensively providing points. And a large part of that was because Mbako had to go to the bench, but Lawyer wins that battle when it comes down to it. And I thought he did a really good job being aggressive, uh, drawing some fouls, and let's switch to that foul part because I didn't think Purdue got favorable calls in the first half. Um I thought IU was really bad defensively in the first half and committed a lot of really dumb fouls. Where was Ryden Needy with his body? He was getting clean, getting him clean up high sometimes, but riding him with his body. In the second half, Purdue definitely got a few calls. Like Fletch gets two calls um, that, man, just weren't good calls. Um, should not have been called fouls. Morton should have been called for that foul on that breakaway. Um, good defensive effort, but that was a foul. So, you know, if we're going to talk about the whistle at all, I would say Purdue got a little bit of a favorable whistle in the second half. Don't think they really did in the first half. Which was surprising. I mean, it just normally isn't like that at Assembly Hall. Normally, because of the raucous environment, I know everybody calls the Hall of Calls, but I just think refs get but caught up. Who was up the aggressor? Who was the aggressor in this game? Right. The, aggress the aggressor is the one that generally is going to get the calls, and, and Purdue was the aggressor from the jump tonight. Yep. No, 100%, but I just think that refs can get caught up in the moment, and when a, when you get into a crazed environment, and sometimes that can snowball where all of a sudden they don't see the contact because it's just like because early on it was guys falling all over the floor, both sides. Like 
there was at one point where there was like three guys that tripped over each other and there had to be a foul. And then IU ended up with the ball and going the other way. And I was just like, how is there not a foul called here? But it's just kind of how it goes sometimes. But eventually uh, the whistle started coming out and, and that's certainly stymied anything IU was trying to do to get into this. Um, let's take a little break before we get into uh, some more of the players here on the show. Um, I want to give a shout out to our guys over at Fanbags Cornhole. Uh, Chicago's official supplier of professional cornhole boards and bags. Choose from any of their officially licensed designs or have my guy Brian design a custom set using anything from a selfie to your company's logo. Visit www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS to get 10% off your entire order. That's www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS for 10% off. Step up your game with Fanbags Shout out to fan bags. Uh, make sure you guys get yourself a set here uh, this year, man. The as spring is right around the corner. You want to have them ready for uh, the March Madness run when winter breaks. I know right now it is uh, extremely cold all across the country, but warmer days are ahead and March Madness is soon to be upon us. And you can set the bags out, put them out in your driveway as Purdue goes on a run to the final four. Uh, so yeah, let's move on to some more players. Um, again, once again, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Please hit that like button. If you haven't already uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We appreciate everybody here tuning in to a big time Purdue win over IU 87 to 66. Uh, let's continue to kick it around the horn. We've talked about the, the main guys, Zach Eady, Lance Jones, Braden Smith, Fletcher lawyer, uh, so now we got to kind of get into some of the role players here uh, that maybe didn't have as much of an impact on the stat sheet, but certainly had a big impact on the game. So let's start with Trey Kaufman, Ren. Uh, you know, I'm surprised to see he only got 16 minutes of action. So maybe this is where we can get into some of the rotational minutes. Uh, that surprises the hell out of me. Three points on one of three shooting, 0 of one from three, only made one free throw, six rebounds three fouls um, and only one turnover in 16 minutes of play. But man, that really surprises me that he only played 16 minutes. I mean, I, that, that stands out, I think more than anything on that stat sheet. Well, he only played four in the first half. And because Gil, I thought Gillis was playing pretty well in the first half. I thought um, Painter liked the, or no, he played six minutes in the first half. I lied to you. Six minutes in the first half, 10 in the second. I think that first half uh, you can see here, color box mean that they were on the floor at that time, color coded for position down at the bottom. And then also the Purdue margin, that number kind of in, towards the bottom, uh, just shows what each lineup was plus or minus during their stints. So you see TKR plays six minutes in the first, and then he goes on that big stretch in the second. And, and I think what happened in the first half is Painter liked what Gillis was bringing, even though it wasn't maybe, you know, Gillis wasn't elite from three or anything. Um, I think he gave good energy. And I, for the most part, did pretty well defensively. Renew got a couple, but it's going to happen. 
Then in the second half, they go on that huge Indiana goes on that huge run in the second half with Gillis starting over TKR. And so I think then when they switched back to TK Painter switched back to TKR about the six minute mark in the second half or six minutes into the second half. Um, and then they they calmed down and kind of stymied the lead, extended it a little bit, um, like the physicality that TKR brought. And I think that's kind of why he went back to him. And then first is just kind of getting he first is just kind of getting a little bit squeezed, but what he can still bring defensively will get him some minutes at times. I, I think we're missing a, a big thing on the TKR discussion here. Uh, TKR picked up a second foul pretty quickly in that first half. He, he had two fouls. He had one. Yeah. No, he had two know. fouls in the first half and the second one was around that six minute mark. That's You're when right. they pulled him. But in that first half, you had IU's bigs go to the bench for a long stretch. So Gillis was a really good matchup. I, I was actually going to bring this up to you, Joe. Uh, I'm going to show this from Matt Spurgeon. He says, I was a little surprised TKR didn't come back in after Renew got buckets and rebounds early in the second half. Mason played hard after that and made up for his size disadvantage. But I, I thought when IU went on their run, I thought it was really obvious that we were missing TKR. Because I didn't think Gillis could match up with when you have Mbako, Renew, and Ware out there. I thought Gillis had a really hard time matching up just from a size and physicality standpoint. And then, like you said, as soon as TKR but came back in, things settled down. So when IU was going on that run, there was in in my head there was a piece of me that was like, "Where's TKR? We where's TKR?" Because there's a lot of matchups this year where TKR seems the oddball out there. And this is a matchup to me, and I think we saw it when he came back in in that second half, where he matches up extremely well when IU has all three of those bigs out there at the same time. And look, he he was big. Even, even though he didn't get a lot of points, he was huge in that second half. Uh, he finishes with six rebounds, but four of those rebounds were offensive rebounds. Um and two of those uh and two of those came in that stretch in the second half. Gillis finishes with two offensive rebounds as well. So six offensive rebounds from the four spot. Um, I thought were really big. And and in all honesty, I, I thought he, not very many times we necessarily point out what TKR does defensively, but I thought he was a lot better defensively from a matchup standpoint uh when we brought him back in in that in that stretch. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I think you hit it. It's the this was a good matchup with you have TKR at the four and you can trust him more to guard renew one-on-one. Now Purdue still showed help and I have it on my board ready to go whenever we, if we want to do it now, if we want to talk about the defense later, but uh, like TKR just with his physicality can at least body renew more. Whereas you saw a couple times Gillis did get punished a little bit, especially when Purdue didn't double him. Um, and like you said, like TKR comes in and things kind of settle down. We'll talk about Morton in a second. I think he had a really good second half stint too, which helps. Um, yep. But this kind of goes back to Purdue just having dudes. I think I understand. I, my guess would be that Painter went to Gillis in the, to start the second half just to almost. I wonder if he was trying to throw just a block or um, a knockout blow of like, we're going to put four shooters around Edie. Edie's either going to feast, we're going to knock down some threes, and we're just going to put this game out of reach. I'm not, I don't know for sure. That could be a thought though of just like let's let's do it let's get this game to thirty. Um, obviously, it did not work out that way, and so he goes back to TKR. And uh, a little bit ironic that this is the you know TKR doesn't start the second half, and then it's like hey, where's TKR? But um, it was a, it was a good game from him, even if the stat line you know three points, one of three shooting. I know somebody brought up is where is TKR's offense gone? I I think 
the, because the past two games he hasn't scored well, but also Edie has taken like what legitimately probably like 45 shots the past two games in a good, very good way. But it's hard to get TKR those touches as well when you're getting Edie that just, many. And just like, play strong. Touch away. Just play strong. Four offensive. Just play strong with the basketball. He had one turnover in his 16 minutes of play. You know, I, I I I was definitely being very critical of his fit in the starting lineup to start the year. Um, you know, they're starting to figure out their rotations. He's had a career high at one point here a couple weeks ago, and you know, he's had some games where he doesn't score, but just be strong with the basketball. Don't turn the ball over, don't make don't compound that you're not making shots and compound that problem with turnovers that create points for the other team. So like from my standpoint, who I was as critical of anybody as for TKR's offensive, you know, threat early in the season, when I watch this game today and I'm not like dialed in the way you are from an X's and O standpoint or Craig, where you're really seeing the full picture, I think a lot better than most people do watching a game. I live off of emotion when I watch a game and when that game was over, I thought TKR had a good game just from the optics and perspective of how he played, how he got in the fight, how he played strong with the basketball. That's to me what matters is that playing with that kind of confidence and 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 fire and intensity and and composure all wrapped up into one and I thought he did that. I thought the entire team did that here tonight. Yeah, yeah, and I I'm, think <clears throat> you go. <laughs> Six rebounds in how many minutes did he play? You say 16 Six, minutes, 16, right? Yeah. Yeah. Six rebounds in 16 minutes. So per 40, that's 15 rebounds. Like, like people need to understand in a 16 minute game, he had six rebounds and four of them were offensive rebounds. Right. Yep, so yep. per 40, that's what, like 12 offensive rebounds or, or 10 offensive rebounds. Um, he was insane on the glass in the minutes that he got in that second half. Yep. A hundred percent. Um, you know, uh, who's Johnny chat says, why mess with a unit that works Purdue after all is ranked second in the country? hundred percent. Um, you know, and, and you're gonna, you're gonna have ups, you know, Mason Gillis, who we can move on to now, you know, he, he they're going to take turns, you know, as far as who's going to get more minutes and who's going to have the bigger game. Mason Gillis here tonight, you know, he ends up with, um, as I look forward, six points, two or three shooting, uh, five rebounds and uh, no turnovers as well in 20 minutes of play. So he played four more minutes, uh, but had one less rebound. You know, he, he had a few more points. So to speak to that point of Trey Coffin Ren's efficiency in the minutes that he did play, Gillis was about the same. Uh, I don't know which one of you guys wants to take it, Joe. I mean, from your perspective, and I know you said you wanted to touch on Gillis here in a minute. Like, what did you think? You know, as you mentioned earlier, he played more in the first half. What did you think of his game overall? I don't think it was bad. Like, I, I think it was solid. I think um, he brought some good energy in the first half. We've already mentioned the matchup where that's just, that is a tough matchup for him against six, nine Malik renew. One of the best, one of the best uh, post players in the, in the big 10, maybe the second best and maybe not second best, but he's like a top four or five post player for sure. In the big 10 right now, um, he's given up size. He's given up some height. That's a tough matchup. But on the other end, I, he still has five rebounds. He had, he does. I thought he was aggressive, kind of um, just 
on offense in general, he wasn't shying away from shooting, even though he only took three shots. Like I thought he played well within the, he, he did what Mason Gillis does. And no, no, the, the shots didn't fall today. He took one, three, um, and there's going to be games that he hits five, but he still did everything else that Mason Gillis does. I thought for the most part, and that's just, he, he's going to play hard. He's going to be effective just the second half, especially when Renew got going, like it just wasn't his matchup. And I've, I've said, I feel like I've said this every show. Purdue has options this year. Gills isn't working. Okay, let's bring in TKR. Okay, that isn't, we really need just some length. Let's bring in first for a few minutes just to see what happens. And then on the wing, you can go up and down the list. This team has options. TKR is going to have some great games. He's going to have some bad games. And same thing for Gillis. You're just hoping that they both don't have bad games on the same night. If, as long as one of them is, is cooking, um, Painter's going to go to the right guy. I, I trust him to more often than not. 100%. Um, and, a lot oh, of people. One thing with because I kind of want to mention about the rotation is I think there's there are people that are like why is TKR starting that at some point like I really don't think the actual starters matter um, like I I really don't more often than not most games are not going to be won or lost within the first four minutes of the game and that's usually what TKR plays is those first four minutes and so at this point. TKR is comfortable starting. Gillis is comfortable coming off the bench. When you're winning as much as they do, like why mess with it? And then you can go to it later. If if, TK, if it's evident in the first four minutes, this is not a TKR game, then he gets 12 minutes and it is, or it is what it is. Or he can get going like Illinois and then have a big game and play more minutes. Um, I personally just don't see why you mess with it because it's like these are what these guys are used to and, and the starters themselves really don't matter. It really doesn't. It's, it's going to be at the end of the game Who's in and who do you need in that second half? 100%. Derek Mulliken and Chad says, guys, we just beat IU by 20 at IU. That does not happen. Let's go. Yeah, it was definitely a big win. Um, and Andy Buck here uh, also provided some stats. Purdue's 21-point win over Indiana was its largest margin of victory in Bloomington since beating the Hoosiers by 34 in 1934. Uh, so that really puts it into perspective. Uh, that was from uh, ESPN stats and info uh, that, that really puts it into perspective. So what the final score was 47 to 13. Am I reading that right? That is, that is what it yeah. says. That that was before the shot clock era. I mean, Craig, a lot. Craig, I mean, Craig, <laughs> when you were uh, covering that game, I mean, what was that like when you saw that? <laughs> as he removes himself from the screen as i you know take a little pot 1934 <laughs> i didn't even go to purdue until 1995 uh, sir you know just looking not that much older than you perspective of the glory days i mean 47 did they have a shot clock back then you know how much i despise not having a shot clock in high school i just said they didn't <laughs> Well, I'm not the first thing I wasn't listening. I was too busy getting ready to set up my joke. You know, I got, I got, got got no no shot clock. I'm not sure that they dribbled yet then, uh, other than to get it up the court. I think it was just passes. Once they got into the half court offense, probably not drives, no three point shot. Um, so yeah, uh, David, David Jenkins said they had, they had a shot sundial. That's what they had. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey it was right around then that uh wooden wins national player of the year though right so we gotta we can't disrespect that era gregory 
Rowlet Boiler. Uh, you know, I always have my old timer jokes. That's from my bricklaying days. Gotta get, you know, gotta gotta get my old jokes in. Uh, you guys are welcome to make fun of me for knocking my tooth out yesterday. Uh, I was gonna get that story later. We'll get to that story here later on. Yeah, I I was playing basketball at the gym. We can talk about it here. In Answer a bit. real quick before we get in. We'll talk about it later. Did you play basketball with Mason Gillis? Did I? Yeah, because no, I did good. not. Yeah, no, everybody just not. gets hurt at practice with Gillis. No, I'm 38, and I, apparently in the last few weeks, I'm starting to feel like I'm 22. And then I got a I got a reality check yesterday at the YMCA. I I got a tooth knocked out, which I thought was a real tooth initially, and it was actually a crown that got knocked out that I had to go to the dentist and and get repaired today for a nice hefty cost. And then after I put my tooth back in the car, I went back to finish the pickup game that I was playing and uh, twisted my knee because I have a torn meniscus and I try to pretend like I don't and I tried to play on it and I planted on it weird and twisted it. So if that isn't the er, the 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 world telling me that I need to hang them up, I don't know what is, but I got a there, hard. There wasn't up. a short white guy in a Wisconsin jersey there, was there? Like no. Brett Davidson. Or, yeah, no. no. And 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 no, Wisconsin, okay. Wisconsin is down 39 to 35 to Penn State at the half. Uh, so let's try to roll through some of this as we uh kind of start to approach third base, trying to round third base here on this show, and and we'll get people here to rooting against Wisconsin, who is five and oh in the Big Ten. I think Purdue is what now five and two five or and four two. five and two. So we're two behind in the loss column. <laughs> Uh, tied right now in the win column, but we'll see how the the results play out here for Wisconsin. You know, uh, wouldn't surprise me at all to see them pull that out. Uh, but we can get into um, you know a couple more of the the role players, or if we want to talk about Ethan the fact, yeah, Ethan Morton certainly is who about. we need to talk about as guys that made an impact. And if you guys also want to talk about you know a guy like Camden Heidi that didn't play tonight, maybe we can touch on that as well. But go ahead, take it away with Ethan Morton. Yeah, um, I, he scored, which that's a big thing because Ethan Morton, I, he has not scored much this year. Uh, this is the one, two, three. 13 minutes of play. He, had, he did fifth, have the, the layup. He scored this year. Um, but it, that's obviously not what Morton does, right? And right. what he did is I think brought really – he just brought good energy defensively. He made a couple big plays, um, steal, block, and just did, did a good job of in his role. Like Morton's not a scorer. He's not a guy that really can can do that. But what he can do is he can just be within Purdue's system. He knows where everybody needs to be at, at all times on the floor. Um, and he just knows where the ball needs to go on offense. And I think you showed he's like he's good enough moving the ball that he isn't a complete liability on offense. And then when you get that, he's very good defensively. Um, and like Trey Galloway is a great matchup, I think, for him, a guy that he can kind of just use his length, use his body on a little bit, try to disrupt in the mid-range. I just thought it was it was a good stretch in that second half, a six six minute stretch for Morton, um, another guy that a veteran. He's been through it at Assembly Hall. He's lost there twice. A guy that just was able to come in, and when IU went on that run, TKR came in a couple minutes before, which helped too. But uh, just calm everybody down. Just be like, hey, we're fine. We're gonna get back to what we do. And and sometimes that just that just doesn't show up on the box score. And that's not who Morton is. This is a well, and the and the the block on um xavier johnson you know he tries to go behind the back and he's he's like you know xavier johnson's like shot out of a cannon going the other way he goes behind the back and xavier just swats the shit out of him i just thought that was an incredible play 
It was, why are you showing me like that? Because you're laughing it, at me. <laughs> because it, it was a foul. He fouled him. <laughs> and look, they didn't blow the whistle. Look clean to me. Incredible no effort. Replay. It was incredible effort. It was incredible effort. Uh, whether it was actually a block or not, uh, I, it got recorded as a block. So it was incredible effort. We're going to call it a block. But I, I don't really have anything to to add about Ethan other than I, I thought he gave good solid minutes defensively um, just all the way through in the time he was in there. Like Joe said, I thought he helped settle the team a little bit. But I, just from a bigger perspective of the game and teams and the way we approach things, I thought it was real obvious that Painter, even though IU had shot from three better, was just saying, hey, we're going to pack the paint. We're going to pack your bigs. We're not going to let them score. And we're going to make you prove that your guards and wings can beat us. And the only person that really got going at all in the first half was Mbako, and then he went to the bench. And then Trey did get going a little bit in the second half. Him, he hit two. Gabe Cups hit one. Khalil Ware steps out and hits one after that. So they got going a little bit from three in the second half, but we we let them shoot 24 threes. They shoot 33%. Like I said, some of that was after we already had a 20-point lead. I, I just thought, e even though IU has been shooting the three better lately, um, that Painter made it real clear and real obvious that, that they were going to make IU beat us from three. And as Tonsoni said when we did the preview show yesterday, IU has a bunch of... of what did he call it? Gosh dang it, Joe. Ten toes. Uh, yeah, ten toes IU has a bunch of I use ha, I has a bunch of ten toe three point shooters. They're they're not coming off a curl. They're not coming off a screen and shooting in motion. Those ten toes got to be facing forward, square with the basket before they shoot it. So it's you got more time to recover on a lot of those. You're not chasing a bunch of action uh, on those guys trying to shoot a three and whatnot. And I, I thought Painter was great from a defensive standpoint about how he chose to attack IU tonight. All the mm -hmm. way around. And yeah. on the flip side of that, I use guards just really didn't do enough. And them defensively, Joe, like, I don't, <laughs> you watch them try to play us defensively. What were they doing guarding Morton at the three-point line? Like, there there yeah. were multiple times where it's, we, we just didn't, where there was times we didn't have guys that were necessarily great three-point shooters in the game. And IU was still guarding them all the way out. Like, why, and letting Khalil Ware go one-on-one -on -one with Edie. I just I didn't understand that from Woodson's standpoint at all. For a guy who's yeah. out painter a couple of times in the last two years, I thought Woodson was terrible tonight. Yeah, no, I I get why he wanted to probably leave one on one because of the shooters, but then like when Ethan Morton's in, or even just like if Camden Heidi was in, you I know he's shooting well, but he could be a guy that you're just like, let's see him hit a couple in assembly hall with this crowd. Um yeah, I don't I don't understand. I think like I don't expect E to see much single coverage the rest of the year. I really don't. He just he just torches it every single time. And like at some point, I think teams are just going to be like, you know what? If Purdue hits 12 threes, they hit 12 threes. And and because Edie just does, I'm I don't Edie just does what he does. He's the best player in the country. Um, and it's just I, I don't get I don't fully get I don't fully get why you don't double at least off sub some people. Um Where's potentially was potentially a guy coming into the game. I get why you try it. You try for a few minutes, where seven foot one or whatever, and he has a lanky wingspan. You're like, okay, maybe the length can really disrupt ED and we'll see what happens. But not to adjust was probably a mistake on Woodson's part. I mean, you saw it last year with MSU with Vizzo too. ED just but, got what he wanted. But ED more time more than a few times went up quickly 
when he got the ball clean. And if he didn't get the ball clean, as we were talking about earlier, he'd get it out, reset, and then they, you know, they, they'd get back into it. So, you know, we have to credit, they, they, maybe their double teams could have been a little more aggressive, but I just thought Purdue just showed more composure and not forcing it and not, you know, falling into their hands to force those turnovers. To your point, though, also with uh, Craig, when you're talking about 10 toe shooters and, and having more recovery time, you saw that a few times when they would double, you know, Malik Renault or double a guy in the corner and the ball would start to kick around and it would open up a open three on the other end. And Purdue was able to get over there on gun and he would, you know, he pumps and then takes the mid range and it's a brick. You know, they, they didn't Jalen Hood Shafino is the cheat code they had last year, you know, because he he was knocking down shots from the mid-range. And so if you chase him off, he'd come into, you know, you know, take two steps in for a mid-range shot and and kill you. They don't have that guy this year. You know, I, I like they, you know, um, you know, what's his name? Um, you know, god damn it. I'm trying to Trace Jackson Davis. No, not Trace Jackson Davis. Trey Galloway. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, in the second half, tried to become that guy at one point, but he's just not a He's not Jalen Hood Shafino scoring ability, you know. So he went on a little run, and that's when IU was able to get back in it. But it's just, you know, that's he's not a scorer like that, you know, consistently to keep, you know, applying pressure on you. So, yeah, it, I it, I think that kind of a team plays right into Purdue's hands. It won't surprise me for Purdue to play very similarly at Mackey Arena here coming up in a few weeks um, as we get close to Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so, you know, uh, any thoughts on IU? I know you talked a little bit about it right there. You know, Xavier Johnson out, you know, not in the starting line, not playing very much because what he took a, he took a shot at someone, uh, you know, coming around he, a curl and hit a guy yeah, in the, in the junk. He bag tagged him. He bag tagged yeah. him. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and, and you saw today, uh, a flagrant foul and that was on, who was that on? Is that on Xavier? Xavier. That was yeah. yeah, exactly. That was on Xavier Johnson again. He pushed, he pushed Edie, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they go to the timeout, it ends up being a you know, uh flagrant two shots and ball. That's a big moment in the game. So, you know, Xavier kind of showing a lapse in maturity here lately that's costing their team. Uh, so you know, that that's another part of the equation in tonight's game as well. So uh well, he finished with Zero points on zero five shooting, zero two from three, and he had two turnovers and three and personal no fouls and no assists. So I'm sure if we would tune into assembly call right now and listen to Tonsoni, I'm sure he's going off about his six-year senior that was pitched as a top five point guard in the Big Ten, um, having that kind of stat line and being negative 20 on the night and plus minus. 100%. Trey Galloway leads the way with 17 points on six of 13 shooting. Like I said, he went on that little, and he had five assists, went on that hot streak to start the second half. That certainly closed the gap. All right, we're rounding third, heading home here on uh, today's show. You know, normally an IU Purdue, you know, post game show might go two and a half hours if it ends on a game winning bucket and, there's, and emotions are high. This one, we're kind of just breaking down, uh, you know, all the, you know, the, the cherry on top. I mean, everything we're talking about is just all roses thrown towards Purdue's way. They, they really did pitch a perfect game here, uh, tonight at assembly hall, which you love to see. So 
I'll run through some of these uh, super chats. And uh, if there's anything that stands out to you guys, you can stop me, but I'll, I'll just kind of go through them one by one here. Uh, Jim Anderson says Smith played good and was two of 14. He shoots his regular percentage and it's a crazy, crazier blowout than it already was. Corey Lesney says, I don't even want to sponsor. I just want to donate to Braggs. Well, that's very nice of you, Corey. Maybe at some point here going forward, we'll set up some kind of Patreon. And if, if you guys, you know, really enjoy what we're doing in that way and want to support us, uh, we're not going to stop you. We're always going to take what we get, you know, from our sponsors and, and, and anybody and, and feed it back into what we're doing here. Uh, you know, as we've mentioned before, we do have a, a Teespring account. If you go on Braggs and if you search Braggs in the stands on Teespring, you can get boilers in the stands gear. Uh, so we appreciate everybody tuning in and the support they show to us. So I appreciate that, Corey. And, and maybe some point in the future, we'll figure out a way for you guys uh, to donate to what we're doing here as well. JB in the chat says, didn't the goofy sleepers guys pick IU to win? Craig, you're always monitoring uh, the goofy. Only one. Craig. Only one. Uh, Carter Carter picked I, uh, Purdue to win and thought they would do so relatively comfortably. Greg picked IU to win. Uh but I, I've seen a little bit back and forth in the chat. Again, we love the guys at Sleepers. We love the Sleepers guys. Carter. They're great dudes. Continually, I talk to them almost daily back and forth about different basketball stuff. So it's just a little bit of shit talking back and forth here and now. Uh, but Greg, and I, look, Woodson had had Painter's number the last two years, three out of four games. So when I, you're, I get when it. I get you it. Know, when, you're, when you wear the name Greg, you know, you've got to hold yourself to a higher standard. So, you know, maybe one of these times, I don't think I've been on with Greg and Carter. Maybe I have once a couple of years ago, but maybe we need to readdress and I need to kind of let Greg understand, you know, there isn't many Greg's left. It's not that popular of a name anymore. So, you know, for us, we got to hold ourselves to a higher standard and pick an IU tonight, Greg. It's just, that's not going to cut it. We need to be better. Okay. So, uh, but they are great. They do a great job. Um, and it's all about friendly banter, you know, especially with what we do here, we're going to challenge you. We're going to have fun with people in the chat. Sometimes we'll get heated, but it's all love at the end of the day. And, uh, you never take yourself too seriously when you're talking sports, you got to have fun with it. Uh, that's the whole point of all this is an escape from our daily routine and the realities of life, like knocking out your crown and having to spend a lot of money to get it fixed. Sam Watkins lawyer was 100% from three. He was in fuego 19 points, 44% uh, on the year. I just want to throw that in. He's shooting 44% from three, 40, um, like six attempts, five or six attempts a game. Well, and it just goes to show you like when you put a guy in a role, like Fletcher probably had to do a little more as a freshman then he, he, you know, now you have Lance Jones. Now you have Camden Heidi. You've got different guys that can do different things. So you're not depending on him to do too much. Same with Ethan Morton, depending on him to do too much outside of what his perfect role is. And it seems like everything's kind of falling into place for a lot of these guys and, and being able to be exactly who they are and get the most out of them in that regard. Scott White uh, said Smith had an off night shooting, but I like the fact the other guys had him covered a great team play. Dave H in the chat. Love you guys. We love you, Dave. Uh, appreciate it. Everybody hit that like button here while we're hanging out in the last few minutes here of Boilers in the Stands. Uh, Tariq Kamel, we need Hummel and Bowers on the call for the next one versus IU at Mackey. Craig, you're getting the call to the big leagues. 
Man, I, I don't know because uh, I don't know that I could be the play by play guy. Craig, like, you would. If be, I had, yeah, yeah, you'd have two. You'd be two color analysts for sure. If, if I if I had Robbie's role, I could live now. Like if Robbie would slide over to like Benetti's role, and I could yeah, be yeah. Robbie, then yeah. Well, I sometimes do they do three guys on a call. You know, like yeah, CBS, true. and so we we'll get three guys. Craig, I think you would be fantastic at that because if there's anybody that can recognize things in the moment. You've always done your 10 bullet points on boiler diehards, the Facebook page. If you haven't joined their Facebook, I haven't done them this year, but right. Well, I can't do them and the show, right? We're doing a lot here, but that's how I got to know you and and understood just your knowledge of the game was on the boiler diehards Facebook group. And if you haven't joined that, you should. And that is you're vetted out boiler fans only for all boiler sports but you would do these 10 bullet points immediately following the game and not to gas you up. I don't want to gas you up too much, but I do got to say like you were able to take so many great observations immediately following the game. And that's not as easy as it seems. Um, You know, some fans might make it, might think it is, it's not easy to do, you know, for me as someone that's a very emotional watcher of sports, my head is spinning a lot of times when games are over, especially when it's a close game. And sometimes I can't remember what happened three minutes ago because I'm so heated about something that happened one play ago. So to be able to do that and 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 really just map out the whole the whole game for fans is is a valuable resource, and you should be proud of yourself, Craig. So that'll be the final compliment I give you of 2024. Well, thank you, Greg. Yeah, no problem. Joe, you're all right too, but I had to give uh Craig his flowers. But you guys are you guys carry me. You know this. I bring very little to what we're doing here. <laughs> Facebook you, Facebook user. I'm sure he's a nice person. We don't know his name, but he, he, you gotta log in through the app that they show and then it'll show your name. But we're gonna give you a shout out anyway. 30 years ago or so, we were complaining about ESPN because we couldn't get in the country. Then came along the Big Ten Network, then FS1. We just keep paying for more packages to see them play. I definitely can understand the frustration. You know, 30 years ago, yeah, you couldn't watch it, you know, all the games across the country. Now we have access to everything. You know, we had satellite that was just taking care of everybody and made it real simple. And now all these apps, I feel like, are complicating things. I am team no stream. I hate streaming. This whole idea that the NFL and the Sunday ticket is streamed, I hate it. I hate everything about it, and I guarantee the bottom will fall out of it eventually, and we will be going back to satellites at some point because it's just going to – the cost. It's about the cost for the average working person, and if they have to pay for 12 different apps, it's no different than the satellite subscription they had already paid for and got out of because you guys sold them that they only had to have one or two apps. I guarantee at some point because each league and each – each league is going to give the rights to X amount of games to different places and different platforms. And it's going to force fans to have to have a subscription to all these in order for them to watch their favorite teams. And it's, it's crap. It's just crap. Rowlett boiler, Braden Jones pushing the pace is the best part of our offense this year. 100% the confidence and intensity they play with on a daily basis. And then today, I think to only have two turnovers between the two of them in over 60 minutes of play is really what highlights. They're not only playing fast, but they're playing smart. Uh, uh, Tariq Kamel Jones had to dunk that fast break off ED diving steal. At least he made the layup though. I definitely thought he was going to throw it down there. 
uh, baptize the masses, maybe. But go ahead, Craig. But here's the thing. <laughs> One of the things we've talked about is shot selection with Lance Jones. And, like, you can say, man, he had to dunk it in that moment, whatever. But he made the easy play. He made the easy score. If he tries to dunk that, he misses that dunk. You got people like, why is he doing that? So I, I get that it was a big moment there. He could have done it. He could have been added to that list of names. But there was a piece of me that was like, hey, Lance made the easy play. Good for him. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I see you text me, Craig, saying renew. I call him Malik Renault. I don't know why. It's because like when I see the EAU, you know, it reminds me of like, like, you know, uh, New Orleans Saints go G E A U X go. So I see Renault. So I'm going to call him Renault. I don't care. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a beautiful mind. You just never know why I say the things I say. Derek Mulligan in the chat. Can we all admit that we probably look back and say, man, we should have appreciated Zach Eady more. I mean, I definitely feel you on that. It's it's one of those things where at times you take him for granted because of how much he dominates. And then you'll say, oh, he didn't have a good game. And he ended up with 26 and 16. <laughs> you know, it's it's sometimes it gets pretty silly. And and when we when he's no longer here, you know, I, I think that I think that you we are going to see how, you know, much of a difference and how how much it affects everything around the court. And and it's been so long since we haven't had Zach that you kind of forget the presence that he presents, not only uh, just for himself against the other team, but everybody else on the offense as well. And defense, both sides of the court, of course. Yeah. I think like we, this is not a right now conversation. This is a, after the season and we'll obviously have to see how the season plays out. But like at some point we'll probably have to have the conversation of like, is Zach the greatest boiler ever? Um, not right now. We want to see how this season plays out and, and all that, but that is a combo I think we, we might have to have in the offseason for just that's just how good he is. We will have that conversation for sure. Uh, let's keep it moving here. Terrence Ransfer. Purdue did a nice job pushing the ball for easy bucks buckets when approximate. Uh, appropriate is I think what he meant. Well, I like approximate. SLK boiler <laughs> stats. Don't tell the story. Smith Jones, Morton, Heidi. Hey, Heidi didn't have his three today, Craig. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've got this, this running bit whenever cam hits his one, three per game of like requisite cam Heidi three, but he had two last games. So he made up for it. The average is, you know, over the last month or so, the average is still there. We're good to go. This is yeah. the first game that he hasn't hit a three since Jacksonville on December 21st. Wow. 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 Yeah, he really didn't get in. He really didn't get into the game here much tonight. And that was the first time here in a while. So I'm sure he'll but be. They, they, yeah, they had to have Fletcher's offense because Braden wasn't hitting shots. So yeah. I, I think that's why. Yeah, yep. 100%. Uh, they, you know, they got a lot of different tools in the in the bucket here to to use marty huseman last year iu bullied purdue not this year agreed i mean like i said the the momentum shifted here tonight iu has certainly had their number mike woodson is a very good coach and it sounds like iu fans want to run him out of town hey please do because like i think he does a pretty good job now could they do a little better from a recru recruiting standpoint when you're talking about a program like iu that has especially in the, the days of the nil and the money they bring in yeah, they, they need to pick it up because Purdue's kicking their ass 
when it comes to recruiting. And Purdue doesn't have the resources that IU has. Uh, but overall, I think Mike Woodson is a good X's and O's coach. I think he has done a good job with that team. Um, you know, but you know, it's about trying to shuffle that program, especially, you know, after Trey Kaufman, not Trey Kaufman ran trace Jackson Davis, you know, leaves Jalen hood, Shafino, and you got to reset. That's, you know, that's something that they are overcoming as well. So, uh, you know, it's a long season to go. They got hot at the end of last year. Let's see what they do here to end this year. Uh, you guys have anything to add to that? Nothing. All right. Derek Mulligan. Fine. I don't want to hear from you anyway. Derek Mulligan said, I say this is the best, most viewed live post game of any team in the country. I love it. Way to go bits. Hey, we appreciate your support. Uh, we just, you know, having fun doing this thing, continue to grow it. Uh, it's yep. been a lot of fun watching everybody here. So please hit that like button while you're hanging out a few more to go. Jeff Park says Braggs can Bobby buckets help arrange getting Lance on boilers in the stands. As I said here on a previous show, I have had some contact with Lance. He's agreed to come on. It's just about setting up a time and a day that works best for him. When we have players on the show that give us our time, we always really appreciate that. We try to be uh, courteous to, to their schedule and try to make it work for best for them. Because, you know, if they're going to give us access and give us interviews, we, the last thing we want to do is impede what they're doing or be a distraction to what they're doing. We had a bunch of players on last year. We have a few players here this year that uh, we're efforting to bring on. Lance is definitely one of them. Uh, he was very receptive and said anytime. So we don't take that for granted and ask a day later, but Maybe I'll get, shoot him a text here tomorrow and see what he's up to. Because uh, that, what do they play Saturday? Uh, yeah, at Iowa, or yeah, at Iowa, at Iowa. So we'll see. We'll, but we're definitely going to bring him on here um, before the season ends. We had David Jenkins on last year. He was a great. He was great, and uh, they've done a great job with some of these transfers here uh, as of late. Uh, Chris R, this one's for you, Joe, because I'll butcher whatever he's trying to say here. You're the numbers guy. <laughs> <laughs> is 125% effective field goal percentage for Fletch yeah. good. That is a, yeah. that's pretty good. So effective field goal percentage, it is like, it is similar to field goal percentage. It's based, you know, taking in your makes and misses. The only thing that it does is it accounts that threes are worth another one more point than twos. Right. So the basically the scale is say you shoot one for one from three, your effective field goal percentage is then 150%. If you shoot one for one for two, then you're 100%. Um, so just accounting that a three is worth 1.5 times more than a two, add them all together, 125 effective field goal percentage is very, very, very good. I definitely would not have been able to explain that. Kevin Arwood here in the chat says he's a bit, he's because I was trying to come up with a nickname for lawyer because he's like big game Fletch. That was the first thing that came to my head because he always seems to show up in these big games. Kevin Arwood is suggesting big case lawyer so i like that i like that we'll have to see if fletcher approves of this nickname uh so i'll we'll ask him next time we see him uh burden on society bos says iu postgame chatter shows commentators not liking the bush league play from their players was shocking and nice to see sounds like iu fans are a little fed up with some of the things They're, going on yeah so they, they went after him the last time too um, like there was people calling for him to be off the team completely. So they're, they've like booed some players at their free throws and stuff too. I it's, they're frustrated right now. They really are. Well, I mean, they they're, snuck out of a lot of games early in the season that kind of, they've been holding, they've keep, been barely keeping their head above water 
mean, they almost lost to Army. They've almost lost to a, a few bad teams, but they've snuck out of every game and, and won. And I think had they lost some of those games, it would the vibes would be even worse than they currently are. So I think for a lot of IU fans, they knew that their record wasn't exactly you know, showing who they've been so far this season. And, and now they're in big 10 play and playing competition that isn't going to let them off the hook. And you've seen a, you know, 21 point drubbing here tonight. Uh, so, you know, they, they got to get their act together here, but it's still a long way to go here in the big 10 season. Um, but it will certainly go quick. Matt Spurgeon in the chat, Joe and Craig should do a Manning cast, but only if Joe has the whiteboard. I like it. Can't, so, I mean, there's platforms. There, there's a platform. Happen. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. There's platforms we could do that, right? Maybe, maybe we need to try that uh, for an away game, Joe. I'm not opposed. I thought I've thought about throwing it out there, but I didn't know if I wanted to fully commit. But I'm not opposed. If people we would, can. if people would want to come hang out, I'd I'd probably be down. If people want to do a live watch along on here, where we're live and we're all watching the game together, sometimes those can be a little tricky because. You know, we're all not in the same room, so our TVs might not always line up, you know, with exactly where the game is and, and the viewers as well. But I've done live watch alongs with some of the Bears games that we do at CHGO, and people seem to enjoy those. So maybe for a game, we can do one. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep everything in consideration here as we go forward. Uh, final, final time, uh, final chat here. Nobles A408. I'll be heading over to Assembly Call after this to enjoy some more IU misery. That's right. Soak up their tears. They're delicious. Uh, but Brian Tonsoni and those guys do a great job at Assembly Very Call. Much. And uh sometimes it's good to refreshing to get their perspective because they'll be breaking down what they saw from us as well. And sometimes that's uh hearing a fresh perspective from the beyond behind enemy lines of how they view your team is sometimes a fun indicator of trying to see, you know, what everyone else around the, the league thinks of you and, and, and not us who are so close to it. And sometimes our bias can kick in at times. So I think that wraps things up for tonight. You guys got any final thoughts before we, uh, before we uh, call it a night? Yeah, I think I just kind of to close for me is there are still, um, going back to our sleepers guys they mentioned like demons right purdue has these demons that they kind of have to get through um there are still plenty more to get through this year and we will get to those when we get to those but this was a team that just looked different than last year in terms of being at even assembly hall right if you just compare one to one and i know iu was better last year in general but when you just look this was a team that you have lance jones come in this is his first time in assembly hall and i kind of i we were kind of thinking this would happen but like it came true. Lance Jones doesn't care. He's going to go out. He's going to hoop. He's going to be who Lance Jones is. Fletcher Lawyer, this is now his second year. He comes out. He hoops. Braden Smith, he doesn't shoot well, but he still plays well. Edie once again dominates. Like uh, even Ethan, you know, Ethan Morton comes in, and he kind of has that calming presence in the second half. You can kind of go up and down this roster, and basically everybody's experienced everything that's gone wrong for Purdue from last year, except for like one or two players in the rotation. Um, and that, I think, has also made them ready for this year. I think they were more ready for this environment of Assembly Hall. They're going to be more ready for, um, you know, maybe Wisconsin. And then as we get to the Big Ten tourney and then obviously March Madness, most importantly, uh, this is a team that has experience. They have that to be able to rely on. And it's a lot of their key players have had it too. And then you bring in the one new guy, Lance Jones, is a guy that he doesn't care. 
he's going to come in and he's going to hoop. So I just wanted to kind of close with that because I do think it is important. Like these guys seem more ready for these types of moments, I would say. 100%. Craig, final thoughts. Joe rocked it. That's what I got. <laughs> All right. Like, like yeah. I don't like when you have perfection, you don't, you don't yeah. Yeah. smutter over that afterwards. Right. Like that was perfect. Phase out. Yeah. Yeah. Fade to black. <laughs> yeah. All right. So That's we've got good. Purdue, IU, or Purdue at Iowa on Saturday. Yep, so we'll be right. Tip. Two o'clock tip afternoon on Fox Sports One on Fox Sports One. So, uh, maybe that I think maybe will be before playoff football hits on Saturday. Regardless, we'll be here for you, uh, yep. hanging out. So, uh, hopefully, you guys return and hopefully Purdue can continue their winning ways here on the road in the Big Ten. Uh, and uh, you know, no easy wins. And so, we'll let everybody get. To the Wisconsin game, does anybody have an update for me? I'll pull it up right Penn now. State's up four with seven minutes left. 66-62 with uh, eight minutes left. At least that's what my phone says. Uh, okay. So this is my Midwestern goodbye. You guys have a good night. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, hit the like button if you haven't already on your way out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you're tuning into Facebook or Twitter, we appreciate that. But if you can head over to our YouTube channel, Brags in the Stands, We've got our Boilers in the Stands library. I cover a lot of different other Chicago sports. But if you could subscribe to the channel as well, we certainly appreciate that. So uh, we'll see you Saturday. Uh, big time Boilers win here tonight. Uh, so we'll see you here soon. But always Boiler up.